right, as we continue in worship this morning, would you please open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We are, Lord willing, going to finish this chapter. Everyone said amen. Okay. All right. I'm not sure how to take that. I can't believe you just said that. No, we're going to finish chapter 10, uh, verses 23, and then we're going to, we're going to actually uh, we'll go into chapter 11, verse 1 there. This will be the passage we'll look at this morning. Um, so if you've been with us, hopefully you have, and you've been, been working through this uh, letter with us, we continue to look at what Paul has been teaching the church, right? He's, he's come and he's, he's you know, you've got to love Paul. He, does, he doesn't hold back sometimes, does he? Right? He's just kind of like, hey, this is how it is. This is how it's going to be. But yet we also see his tender heart and his, his, his genuine love to see folks come to know and to believe. You know, it's easy to read some of these letters and go, I don't know what these Corinthians were thinking. These people can't get anything right. Yet we have to realize this is their culture. This is what they're coming out of. And Christianity is brand new. Right? And Paul has planted this church and, and they've, they've, they've started well. And he refers to them as saints. You're saints and following after Christ. And God has demonstrated power and works there. And yet they have done some things that we would just, I think today, hopefully today we would scratch our heads and go, I don't know, how did they end up there? Right? And we have this letter that, that communicates and teaches us that, you know, what not to do. It's almost like we're so thankful for the Corinthians because they did so many things wrong. We know what to do today, right? And so Paul has been coming, and in this chapter he has uh, really laid out, and I think very vividly, right? He has told us, look, uh, at the beginning of chapter 10, everything that the Israelites had, you have. Christ was with them in the wilderness and uh, you have him today. He grabs this wilderness example and he brings it right into the New Testament church. And he says, hey, they had everything you had and God was displeased with them. And he says, you know what, there were, there were bodies scattered in the wilderness, right? Bodies scattered everywhere in the wilderness. Well, 40 years, right? It took some time. And so there, of course, they were scattered. Um, and he says, look, you, you, the same problems can happen today. Right? You, can, you can live a life that is displeasing to God. That's a, that's a very sober takeaway. Right, Just in the, the peripheral of this, or just rather a, a, a perusal reading of this, you can say, yeah, you know, God can be displeased with us. Um, you know, he's a holy God, and he takes sin seriously. And so he's been challenging them. They have come to this point and saying, you know what, there is, uh, idol is nothing. We can, we can go and do this, because a lot of them came out from uh, following after uh, pagan idols and going to temples and all these things. And Paul is saying, yeah, you're right. There's nothing, um, there's nothing to an idol. It's, there's, you know, there's only, uh, it's just an idol. It's nothing. However, what's behind it, and it's what we talked about last week, is, is demonic. There is a demonic influence, right? And Paul's comparisons last week weren't no, so much as saying, well, this is a Christian and this is a pagan. He was saying, no, this is, this is demonic and this is God, right? This is, this is light and this is darkness. Those were his comparisons. And he expressed the importance of saying you, you can't go to the table and commune with God, right? And, and understanding what Christ has done and then turn around and go eat in the temples and participate in pagan practices, right? You are to be different. And we see that in, in Paul's understanding. Paul uh, understands that there are some things that are true and some things that are false, right? Uh, in our day-to-day, we have this you know, if there's truth, right, it's, you know, if there's truth, uh, it's a lowercase t and it's relative. And Paul doesn't think that way at all, does he? 
And he comes and says, look, there is things that are true and there, there are uh, things we are to follow. There are commands and there are sins and you should avoid them. Jesus thinks the same way in his judgment. Remember, he's talking to a church, right? In, in Revelation, we looked at a few Sundays back, uh, Pergamos, I think in the Greek, right? If I said that right. And Jesus comes and says, look, there, there are definitive sins, right? There are definitive sins. The whole congregation, Repent. Right? So Jesus isn't, doesn't take up what we would say today in the modern times would say, well, you know, that's relative. No, it's, it's across the board. Right? With Jesus, it's black and white. With Paul, he has the same thinking. It's the same reasoning, of course. The Holy Spirit is writing God's Word. And that's a long introduction to where I'm going. But this is what's happening, right? And we come to this passage where Paul really comes to, to the proper application. He's been teaching, and he's, it's almost like he said, you know, an idol's nothing. Now it's something. And now he comes back and says, yeah, it's nothing again. And we see the different context, which we'll talk about here in a moment. But we come to this, mo- to this passage here this morning, uh, which I've titled, you know, Freedom and Responsibility. And Paul's going to give the proper application. Because you would, you would have to think... Right? If, you're, if you're reading this letter and you're part of the Corinthian church and Paul has just said, look, you can't go and, and participate uh, and have the meat that's been sacrificed to idols, you can't do it. And I'm sure there's one guy, you know, it's not in the Greek here, but I'm positive there's probably one guy that's like, you know, what do we do now? Do I have to become a vegan? Right? I don't know if that's floating around in there, but somebody I would imagine, maybe Paul by the Holy Spirit's thinking it and he comes and gives some direction now, Right? There's one guy going, are you saying no more ribeyes, you know, T-bones? I don't know if I can do this. The burden's too high, right? But Paul's going to come. He's going to give some instruction. And he's going to say, look, no, you can. You can enjoy that ribeye. And you can go have these things. You can participate. There is liberty. There is something in the Bible, right? Some things that the Bible doesn't specifically say yes or no, right? And so Paul says, man, you're going to read here in a moment. He says, you can go enjoy these things. But there's also an understanding that with our, with our liberty, our freedom, uh, there is a responsibility. Paul has demonstrated over and over, and he'll demonstrate again in this passage, that why he's here. Right? His purpose in life is to see souls come into the kingdom. And that drives the reasoning right, for uh, whether he forgoes his liberties or he enjoys them. Right? Pending on the circumstance. He would like to see souls come to believe on Christ. And it's very important that you understand your freedom and, and your responsibility, these two things, in light of your calling. If you know Christ today as your Lord and Savior, right, you have a calling upon your life. All right, you're going to be, you, it's a work out your sanctification, to be uh, transformed into His image, become like Christ. Right? God has given you gifts and talents to serve and to go, but this is, this is the direction of your life. This is where you should be going. And that's and important to understand because when we, we set that aside, especially as Americans, when I talk about freedom, I don't know if any of you went, to, like, yeah, there's a declaration of independence and we're going to have freedoms, right? Which is outstanding. We love that as a nation. But here Paul's not talking about those types of freedoms. He's talking about how you enjoy your walk, your liberty, but yet it's not about solely you, right? You're here for a bigger purpose and a bigger cause. It's like the story of, uh, Queen Victoria, when she was a child, all her instructors were, they were frustrated with her. And she wouldn't pay attention. She just, just messed around. And they just got to this point where they finally explained to her, look, there's a day coming where you're going to be the Queen of England. Right? She was a child, and, she, and they expressed, it's like, look, this is where you're heading. This is where you're going. And at that moment, it is said that, that she, she turned the corner and said, well, 
then I, I guess I should be good, right? I should learn. I should study. Yeah. And see, we, we as, as followers of Christ need to understand you're an ambassador of Christ. Right? God is he's placed you. You're not an accident. I don't know if anyone's taking that today. You need to take that thought and, and, and throw it back at the enemy's face. You're not an accident, right? There's a purpose. And we can, we can scratch our heads at the, the different things we walk through in life. Uh, and why we do, but, but this morning you're, you have a calling. And God wants you to enjoy His creation. He wants you to be mature about it. So this is what Paul does. This is his instruction beginning in verse 23. I'll read through chapter 11, verse 1. But he says, Hey, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful to me, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market, asking no questions for conscience' sake. For the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. If any of those who do not believe invites you to dinner, and you desire to go, eat whatever is set before you, asking no questions for conscience' sake. But if anyone says to you, this was offered to idols, do not eat it for the sake of the one who told you. And for conscience' sake, for the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. Conscience, I say, not your own, but that of the other. For why is my liberty judged by another man's conscience? But if I partake with thanks, why am I evil spoken of for the food over which I give thanks? Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. And in verse uh, 1 of chapter 11, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Let me offer a brief prayer. Father, once again, thank you for this time as we look to your word and I pray that you would encourage us and strengthen us. I pray your spirit would be with us. Uh, Lord, grant us insight and understanding this day that we would grow in our maturity, that we'd properly understand our liberties, Lord, and, and how you would love us, uh, allow us and, and uh, to live them out. So, Lord, lead us that way, and I pray that you would take me out of the way, that every thought and, and word be fixed upon you, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we come to this passage, and uh, you know Paul is, is, is he's told us you know an idol is nothing, and then that we shouldn't eat these uh, meat sacrificed to uh, to idols. And he turns around and he says, "Now we you know you can enjoy them, right?" And there's a different context here, right? We don't we're not to go to the the uh, to the temples of pagans and all those kind of things, but in the context context of living, he says you can go to the market and you can go to someone's house, you can enjoy these things. And it's very important, right, that uh, as we're looking upon these things, that we do things in a way that we're not offensive, right? That we, we give off a, a fragrance, a, a fragrance of Christ wherever we go. And I kind of think that there's, uh, you know, as you work through this passage, and I'm sure other passages, that there's, there's three kind of people in the world, three kinds of people. And I know that could go a lot of different ways, but uh, for our passage's sake here, but in uh, in the church, there's kind of three, three groups, we say, right? 
Uh, one group is kind of like the, the hardline group, right? You might want to call them legalists. And, and they look at all the rules and regulations, and it's very near and dear to them, and it's this is how it is, right? And they, don't, they, they look at you if you're not following like they are, and they think, what's wrong with you, right? You have problems. This is what it says. This is what we do. And it's so much to the point that even in areas where the Bible doesn't specifically say something, they might create some type of rule, right? The default setting is no, right? That's, that might be who they are. And so that has elements of truth in it, but that can be an, an immense turnoff, especially to non-believers, right? It's a kind of a legalistic mindset. And so there's a tendency to do what? Swing that pendulum all the way to the other side. And, and this is the hyper-grace, the antinomian camp that says, there's regulations, right? I mean, is there? I don't know. I don't think so, right? They just live like there's nothing, right? And then they just kind of, everything goes. And Paul, you see his heart and his passion and his desire and drive here. He doesn't allow uh, the Corinthians to kind of fall into any one of those categories, does he? He says, yes, man, there's, there's liberty. There's things you can enjoy. God, God delights when his children's delight in the things that he provides. And he doesn't allow them to swing to the other side saying, look, you know what? It's, it doesn't matter. You know, we can do whatever we want. He says, no, it's all about uh, the gospel. So the third, the third camp, which is I hope that that you would reside is what I like to call, and I've used this often, is the scripturalists. That almost sounds like a movement there, then. Scripturalists, right? You know, it's those who say, this is what the Bible says. This is, this is where we find our liberty. This is where we find the grace. This is where we find the moral law. This is where we find the commands. This is where it says I should be working out my sanctification and growing in my, in my uh, maturity and my following after Christ and denying myself. And it also says and speaks just of passages like this where I can enjoy God's creation and the things he's provided, right? It's that person. It's like the best of both coming under one. So as Paul is unfolding this for us, and as I believe this is his position, his heart, he's not going to allow the church to slide into uh, to the Pharisee kind of mindset or to this, this hyper-grace that says, you know, everything goes because that's the tendency of the Corinthians. You can see him over and over, right, willing, kind of reeling him back in and bringing him back to this place of saying, you know what, let's follow God's word. Let's understand the liberty we have and the freedom we have. Uh, let's be responsible about it. And so he approaches this, and I have five points in your notes today, and it's pretty, pretty straightforward uh, as we work through this passage. But the first one, uh, I'm simply calling the Christian's principle. Paul is going to just, just map out the principle for us. How do we do this, right? He's discussed uh, things pertaining to idols and to meat, and then he's just going to say, okay, here's how we go about it, right? This is the principle, and then he begins to, to, to illustrate the principle uh, to give us other reasons as, as this passage unfolds. But the first one is the Christian's principle, and it's verses 23 and 24, and he says this, right? All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own, but each one the, the other's well-being. Right? So Paul, right out of the gate, says what? There, there are some questionable practices. And this is what, I'm, what I mean about uh, the Bible doesn't specifically speak. We're not talking about uh, you know, okaying or signing off on sin. We're not talking about those things, right? That's, that's no. We don't do that. In case you're struggling, I'll say that again. No, if it's sin, we don't do that. Uh, but it's a principle. Areas where the Bible doesn't specifically say. And so he says, it's lawful. It's okay, right? There's no questionable in regards to this uh, position. There's no um, restrictions in the area of questionable practices. All things are lawful, right? So we can enjoy them. That's his point. That's what he's telling the Corinthian church. However, 
right? He adds this to it as part of our, the, the, the principle. Actually doing these questionable practices, you have to ask yourself, is it helpful? Is it helpful? All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. Do they help you? Do they grow you in your spiritual walk? Right? Are they building you up and encouraging you? Are they helping you? Are they, are they assisting you? Do you see the, 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 the reasons behind it, even though you have freedom? Right? Is this, is it, if it's, if it's uh, lawful but not helpful, then maybe we should place it uh, to the side, even though you have the freedom to do so. He goes on in this passage, and he says almost the same thing again, and he uses the word edify. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Right? Some of our freedoms that we might like to, to indulge in might be a disadvantage to the proclamation of the gospel. Even though you and I have freedoms and we have things that we can enjoy, Paul is saying, does it, does it actually help you? Is it growing you? Are you growing in, in your faith and your commitment and your understanding? Is it edifying others? That means building up, right? Are you building yourself up? Are you building others up, right? Or is this, this uh, line item that you're so you know, adamant about, is it uh, hindering you? He speaks often of the conscience, right? You have a conscience, protect it, right? Let's do the right things. So Paul says all things are, are lawful, but they're not all helpful. They don't all edify. Often we seek to, to enjoy these things, but we don't take seriously the responsibilities. See, as Americans, we hear the word freedom. It's my freedom. I'm, I'm independent, right? That's the American culture. I, I stand alone. And Paul is, is understanding this in the context of a community, right? You come and, and it's not just about you enjoying your freedoms. The gospel is at hand, right? Are you helping your brothers and sisters grow in their walk? He's told us already, hey, if you're going to the temples, and I know that the temples are nothing, but the weaker brother is following you, and then he's going to the temple and eating the meat there, and then his conscience is so bothering him that he can't come to church anymore because he thinks there's no way God's going to forgive me. You know, because these people were actually coming out, right? They're being delivered from these idol worshipers, and then most likely going back and partaking in the same place that they were delivered from, right? And, and you can, can imagine how their conscience might struggle with that. And there's some mature believers who are saying, no, that's, it's nothing, it's okay. And Paul's saying, you're right, there's nothing there. Understand what's behind it, right? You're, you're reducing uh, your, your level of resistance. You're going to be tempted. At some point, you're not going to come back to church. You're just going to stay there, right? Is the ribeye worth it at that moment? And so Paul says, look, all things are lawful. You can do all these things, and this is our principle. Is it helping you? Is it helping others? Is it edifying you? It's not edifying you. Well, then don't do that, right? It's okay to say no to your freedoms. Maybe, maybe we need to say that, right? You have permission to do this. Now, it doesn't mean we slide into legalism, right? Because our response to, to something like that would say, well, we can, you know, the Christian can't have any fun. The Christian should be, you should be full of joy, right? We should have smiles on our face because we understand the depths, the brokenness of all our sin, all our shame. And we know and we have a sovereign God who understands all of those things, and yet loves us so much to provide a Savior that would save us and forgive us. So it's not sliding into those things, but it's simply understanding right, our freedoms. Paul says, here's, here's the principle. In life, where you go, right, ask these questions. 
Is, you know, is God going to come down and thump you on the head because you're doing No, he's saying you have. It's lawful. But is it helpful? Does it edify? So that's our principle. Paul maps this out for the church. And so now he goes to kind of illustrate it for us. Right? And so he's going to talk about first what I'm, when I'm talking about the lawful side. He says, uh, the Christians, my point two, the Christians' liberty, right? In verses 25 through 26. If all things are, are, are lawful, here's, here's the liberty you have. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market, asking no questions for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. Right? So here's your liberty, right? Here's the things that are lawful. I know, you know, you can imagine the one guy saying, oh man, I've got to become a vegan, I can't have meat anymore. Because you have to understand the culture, right? All, the majority of the meat was sacrificed to some idol somewhere. And the, and the, and the, the temple market, right, was, I mean, majority of the meat, 98% of the meat there probably would have been sacrificed to something. And so there you can, you can hear the guy going, you know, of course I'm reading into this, but I can imagine, this is how I'd be responding if someone's reading the letter. What do you mean, no more ribeyes, right? How do we, how do, we deal with that? And so Paul says, here's the principle, right? Is it edify? Is it lift up? Ribeye, yes, right? That would be my response. It's helpful. (laughs) It's edifying, right? We're going to have ribeye. And so Paul says, what? If it's sold in the marketplace, don't ask questions. Go get a ribeye. Tyson, you're going to make it. Go get a ribeye, right? All that is, the Lord is the creator, right? So there's our problem. And Paul says, look, here's here's your liberty. You can go, but don't ask a question. Isn't that interesting that Paul says, you go, go buy the meat. Go buy the good cuts, right? Whatever you find, it's okay. You're, it's lawful for you. But don't ask the butcher, hey, was this sacrifice to an idol? Don't raise the question. For one, the, the unsaved butcher will probably look at you like, what's wrong with you? You, know, you have a problem. But it's, it's, it's quite interesting, right? You're not, you're not raising an unnecessary issue. For your conscience sake, don't raise an unnecessary issue regarding it. You have freedom. Go enjoy that. Right? Enjoy it. Don't raise an unnecessary issue for your conscience sake. Don't raise it in the context of someone else. Right? Sometimes we, we get hung up on our, our, our convictions and maybe our response in the context of life is just simply no thank you. But sometimes we make our issues and our problems what we discuss right? This will make more sense as the, as the passage unfolds, but he says, don't, don't make an unnecessary issue. Do, you know, protect your conscience. It's okay. Don't worry about it, right? If you don't ask the question, it's, it's not brought up. He'll talk about here in a moment what happens when the situation is brought up, but right now, for this sake, you go, go find that good cut. It's okay. You have freedom. Enjoy your liberty. Don't raise the issue, everything, right? He quotes Psalm 24, first part of uh, verse 1. The Lord, right? The earth is the Lord's, all its fullness. It all belongs to God, right? It's all His. The Lord's the Creator. So Paul says, go get the meat, right? Whatever you eat, he's going to say that in a moment, whatever you eat, whatever you drink, right? We could add to that, whatever you wear, how we conduct ourselves, all these things God has given and provided, right? Things to enjoy, how you live out your life. It's okay, now, we have to live that in, the, in, in light of Scripture, right? We're not, we're not departing the Bible when I say these things, but to understand these areas where the Bible doesn't specifically speak. But there is a tendency, right? This is, this is the problem with our liberty. It's not a problem with liberty. It's the problem with us, with our liberty, right, is, is the idea of abusing, right? So we want to abuse this. Sometimes we want to say it's my liberty. I don't care if you trip over it and stumble over it. It's my liberty. Right? 
Paul's going to address that. But this is why we have to say there's a responsibility with your freedom. So your life is so much more than just you and your, and your liberty, you and your freedom. It's meant to be lived in the context of others. You are the ambassador of Christ. You are the representative. Some of the people in your life, you might be the only contact with Christ they have. Right? And that's going to come in as Paul's always going to weave evangelism into these things. I want to see souls one. I want to see them saved. Seize these opportunities. So in your liberty, don't abuse it. Right? It's easy to simply say, hey, you've got to love me the way I am. That's not how it works. Right? God still punishes sin. We're not going to go do those things. And if we were making our brother and our sister stumble, right? it's, it's our responsibility to go make that right. So here's our principle in regards to your liberty. Enjoy these things. Right? Enjoy life. Enjoy what, what, what is good, what the Lord has provided. Ask these questions. Is it helpful? Does my liberty here, is it helpful? Does my liberty actually build others up? Is it, is it edifying? Right? Those are the things we want to ask ourselves, and we have to be willing to do that. We don't want to slide into legalism, but we also don't want to slide into the hyper-grace side. We want to live with the freedom that Christ has set us free, and we get to go and follow. We get to follow His commands. We get to, to, to pursue Him. We get to suffer for His name. Right? We get to go after Him. That's where we want to be. And so it's all about a bigger picture. It's not just about you and your freedom. And this is what Paul says. And this is what, what the next point. He talks about the principle and he says, look, and you're, here's, the, here's the lawful side, right? The liberty. And now he's going to go to the helpful and the edifying side, which is point three, our testimony. The Christian's testimony. Verses 27 through 30. He says, if any of those who do not believe, invites you to dinner, right? So here's his illustration. You're, you're living there and uh, a non-believer, I'm assuming here, right? If any of those who yeah, do not believe invites you to dinner, you desire to go, eat whatever is set before you, asking no question for conscience sake. But if anyone says to you, this was offered to idols, do not eat it for the sake of of the one who told you. And for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. Conscience, I say, not your own, but that of the other. For why is my liberty judged by another man's conscience? But if I partake with things, why am I evil spoken of for the food over which I give things? He creates a wonderful illustration, doesn't he? Saying, in one side we have the freedom, go to the market. Don't ask the butcher where was this sacrifice, right? Go buy your meat, enjoy it. Now, if somebody, right, a non-believer invites you to their home, right? Very important for the early church. Hopefully it's important in your life as well. We want to see the, the gospel proclaimed and shared. Usually it happens over a meal. That seems to, to be part of it, right? You see this happening. So he says, look, if a non-believer invites you over and they tell you, right, this has been sacrificed. Again, we see the principle, you know, don't ask any questions, but if the non-believer says, hey, this has been sacrificed, Paul gives a straight uh, response to this. Do not eat it. Right? Do not eat it. Do not eat these things. Now, it's interesting as you think about these unnecessary issues. Right? And part of you know, the early church and interacting with others, you and I interacting in our community, interacting with those we work with and family members and all these different things. You know, why is it important that we don't, we don't raise our, our, our issues? 
You can imagine a non-believer, right? You know, I always like to say the unsaved act like the unsaved because why? Yeah, they're, they're not saved, right? So this is, this is how they are, and this is how they exist, and they don't understand sin like you do and all these different things, you know? But if you're in their home, can you imagine someone who doesn't know anything about sin, and then you kind of get on a soapbox and saying, hey, look, you should stop eating this meat. I can't believe you had this meat and it's been sacrificed to idols, right? Can you imagine the person going, well, this is the last time I invite you into my home, right? And so you have this idea of don't, don't raise unnecessary issues. Just simply say, no, thank you. And Paul says, don't, don't say no, thank you, and tell them you know, what's wrong with, with what they did and how they offended you, and I'll dare them to do all these things. No, why? Because they're not saved. He just simply said, no, thank you, not for, you know, for, for, your, for theirs. Most likely, you know, it's an interesting question if you think about it. You know, why would a person uh, you know, ask that question? Hey, did you know? Right, most likely in that culture, I mean, I mean, they probably knew Christians abstain from all idol worship, right? I mean, it was known to, so you should worship multiple gods. And here the Christian says, no, there's one, and we don't participate, you know, participate in any of that stuff. And maybe the person is asking the question, do you really actually believe what you profess? Or maybe for the sake of saying you're a Christian, you have to understand that this, is, this has been uh, sacrificed to idols. If they knew you were a believer, inviting you into their home, they wanted to make sure that you understood that. So at that moment, Paul is saying, well, you should say what? No, I don't, no, thank you. Oh, I won't enjoy these things. But he says it's, it's done for them. It's not you. You have freedom. It's done for their sake. It's done for the gospel. It's done that you're, you'd have a positive testimony that says, you know what, I'm not here to simply, I, I can, and, and it's no problem. I know an, an idol is nothing, but I'm doing it for your sake. There's some misunderstanding of what Christianity is, and you might be running with bad information. So I'm going to just go ahead and say, you know, I'm going to forego my liberty so we can, we can have maybe a conversation about who Christ is. Isn't that kind of amazing? Because you're not going into their home and raising the issue, going, how oh, I can't believe you guys served me this ribeye, and it looks so good, and, and, uh, you know, but you sacrificed it to Isla. I just can't understand that, right? But if they raise it, now they've opened the door to what? A conversation. You know what? I'm not, I love ribeye. It's outstanding. And you can substitute any favorite meat you want there, right? I'm okay with that, uh, right? It's really good, and this looks really good. But I, you know what? I'm not going to have that tonight. You know, even though I can, I'm not. In the, in the context of a conversation, can you see that going, well, why are you doing that? Well, let me tell you about it, right? It's not my sake. It's my, my freedom. Isn't it interesting in Jesus' struggle? did Jesus dominantly struggle against? The religious people, isn't it? It's this way. There's no other way. Now, he didn't, he didn't mind when the, 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 when the Bible was taught correctly. Yeah, absolutely, right? But he ate with who? Tax collectors, sinners, and he didn't compromise, right? But he was condemned as worldly. He doesn't, doesn't go and say, you know, this is how it has to be. He simply says, you know, that's, that's not it. He didn't partake in their things. And so when someone invites you into their home and you're in the context of non-believers, don't, don't get on a soapbox and say, I can't believe you, you cooked this ribeye and you did it this way. But if they open the door, and Paul says, man, seize the opportunity. You have a powerful moment to say, you know, I'm not going to partake in that. And here, here's why. 
you know, I'm enjoying what we're having here. I enjoy this conversation. I'm really enjoying myself getting to know you better. And, and you know what, this is really going to torture me because I've even smelt the cooking of the ribeye and now it's here and I got to say no, but this is why. Right, because Paul, Paul's heart, always his heart is what? Christ is more. So just understand the principle. Do you have, is it lawful? Is it free? Yeah, absolutely. Do you have liberty? Man, yes, you do. Right? He, said, he the son says, you're free. Does it mean we always do that? No. The gospel has to mean more, right? So if they raise the question, this was offered to, to idols, he says, don't do it, right? Don't do it. He tells us that, once again, for the, quoting the psalm, the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. And he says, conscience, I say not your own, but that of the other. Why is my liberty judged by another man's conscience? If the unsaved person probably most likely, if they have any understanding of Christianity, is probably skewed, right? They just they don't understand any of it or, or they're kind of looking at this, especially in the context of Paul. And he says, you know, why should I just go ahead and join my freedoms and allow this person to misunderstand what Christ is all about? So I'm going to forego them. If the unsaved person doesn't know or has a false understanding, then I'll, I'll lay my freedoms aside. That we might have an open and honest conversation. And Paul says, but if I partake with things, you know, again, why am I evil spoken of for the food over which I give thanks? Right? Why should this person, I've given thanks and I have freedom, and he, he's going to walk away and go, man, I, I have some, a lot of misunderstandings. I don't get these Christians at all. He'd, he'd rather set his freedoms aside and say, let's have a conversation about the Lord. So do you have responsibility? Yeah. So you have freedom? Absolutely. Should you ask the right questions, apply the principle? Yeah. Is it helpful? Is it edifying? Is your liberty at this moment, is it doing those things? Right? Is that ribeye? Because quickly I could say a ribeye is helpful, right? Don't ask any questions. It's edifying. Yes, I knew it. Right? So it's just sautéed mushrooms. I don't know if you've ever had that on there. Okay. Right? It's really good. Some of you who are, are, are uh, vegetarian are probably going, oh, I'm going to write him an email. But... <laughs> And I will respond and say, I'll pray for you, right? No, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm just going to make that hole deeper every time I talk on it, right? So he comes and he says, look, you have to understand it, right? And he explains to us how the liberty functions. Then he says, here's how your, your testimony, here's how the edifying, the helpful, this is how it functions. And then in, in my point four here, he gives us the motivation. Here is the heartbeat of Christianity, right? Verses 31 through 33, therefore, here's our conclusion, whether you eat, Man, whether you eat the meat or not, whether you drink or not, whatever you do, your actions, your words, do it all for the glory of God. That should be our heartbeat, right? Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God, right? Just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit. I'm going to use my liberties. It's my profit. No, I'm not going to do that. But I, I, I desire, right? Paul's heart, the profit of many, that they may be what? Saved. Right? Evangelism isn't one of those things where, we're, you know, on Monday night, we're going to go practice evangelism. Right? Sometimes we think of it like that. Evangelism is, it's always on, isn't it? You're always evangelizing. And you're called to glorify God in whatever you do. Whether you eat or drink, and you see Paul saying, man, what does it matter? Don't get hung up on these things, but realize what's at stake. 
You know, does it profit many? Is it, are you helping your unsaved friend? Then forego your liberties. It's okay. This isn't your home. This isn't your best life now. It's not here. It's in heaven, right? Where it far exceeds. I mean, heaven far exceeds your best day times a million here, right? There's no comparison. And hell, right, is, is, is far worse than the worst day times a million here. It's far worse. The extremes are far greater. This is not your best life. And I know we go through hardships and brokenness, but hey, man, our heartbeat is to glorify God. And here's Paul's motivation. Here it is. Ask yourself, man, is it, is, it, is it helping? Is it glorifying God? Are we edifying? Is he pleased? Think for a moment how different, right, a church could be, a, a, a community could be of believers who would come together. And this was, this was how they resonated against each other. They encouraged one another, man, I'm going to help you. I'm going to edify you. My, my desire in this, my whole motive is that God would be glorified. Not somebody who's mature and understands the gospel. But somebody who's looked at their life and says, man, I was... I was blind. I was, a, I was a really, really good sinner. And I was running to hell as fast as I could. And people were begging me, don't run that direction. And yet I would not listen. I would keep running. And finally the Lord opens your eyes. And you realize, man, I was, I was a step away from stepping off the precipice. And the Lord redeemed me. That's how precious the gospel comes, and there's responsibility with this. He says, give no offense to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church. We see what? The Jews unsaved. Paul, Paul was a Jew as unto the Jew, that he might see the Jews saved. To the, to the Greeks, he was as those of not under the law, right? That he might see those saved. And to the church of God. So we see the groups. He's telling the church, don't be offensive, right? Don't offend the non-believer. Don't offend your brothers and sisters in Christ. Do everything. Don't, don't offend them. Live your life. Let the gospel, let it be what offends. The gospel offends, right, when it's properly communicated. See, outside of Jesus, there's no hope for the sinner. The wrath of God is, is, is what you can expect, right? And it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the wrath of God. So as the believer, we say, you know what? Salvation for the non-believers. Let's be like Spurgeon who says, man, if, the, if hell must be filled, let those sinners go with my arms around their legs, begging them and pleading with them to believe on Christ. That's where the church should be. Let our love grow like the psalmist we read earlier, right? This passage, let us love, have a love for the lost. And for the church, right? We should be encouraging one another in our sanctification. Are you growing more like Christ? Is that what's happening in your life? Let me walk with you. Let me, let me help you. Hey, let's start meeting for a coffee. Hey, let's, let's, I'm going to pray for you this week. Shoot me a text. How can I pray for you? Are you building up, right? Paul says, just as I also, right, pleased all men. Um, I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many. And we might see lives come to know, Right? You might see the unsaved saved. You might see the church bring glory to God. There's his heartbeat, right? Paul's, Paul's uh, passion has been what? The Christ and him crucified. Chapter 2, verse 2, right? I determined to know nothing, right? Or anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. If a church had this as their heartbeat, can you imagine the difference in each other? Imagine the difference in you. 
you imagine if you were surrounded by a bunch of believers who were encouraging you, loving on you, challenging you, saying, hey, come on, where were you? You weren't in church this week. You weren't in life group this week. What's going on in your life? Hey, I know you. Don't give me that everything's okay business, right? I know you. What's going on? Can you imagine the difference in your life? I mean, we need those people, right? There's two kinds of people. This is funny. Now, I think there's three kinds of people. Now there's two, right? There's two kinds of people you need. Every person needs them in your life, right? You got to have your cheerleaders. You got to have those in your life that are like, man, you keep going. You're incredible. This world would stop spinning if you weren't here. We need those people, right? You're awesome. Keep going. Doesn't matter what you do, you keep going. We also need those who, who love you enough to say the truth. We don't always like them, right? But boy, do we need them. Hey, I love you. I love you enough to say this. This is what I'm seeing. Better the rebuke of a friend. Many kisses of an enemy, right? We need those people. We need those people. Are you motivated? Are you growing? Can you imagine a church that, t- that just took hold of that? And then Paul brings it all the way home, right? In this last the verse one, excuse me. Uh, first verse of chapter 11. I'm calling your, your, the example, the Christian's example, right? He says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. He puts the word imitate. It's, a, it's an imperative verb. He commands the church to imitate him. Therefore, he's calling all believers. You're commanded. Imitate, imitate Paul. What did Paul do? Well, he abandoned his rights. He set his, his liberties aside for the sake of the gospel, for the betterment of other people, right? He, he made... Uh, sacrifices so non-believing people could come to know Jesus. Why? Because he knew what he had been delivered from. Paul was that guy, right? He was running to hell and didn't know it. He thought he was good. <coughs> Jesus says, why, 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 why are you, Paul, why, why are you attacking me? Who are you, right? No idea. See, Paul understood the gospel. He was president of the stoning of Stephen. He said, this is a good thing. Right? I'm going to go obtain letters. I'm going to extinguish these people associated with the followers of Christ. That's who he was. Paul say, our God saved his life. So he says, imitate me. Chapter 9, verse 19, Paul says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. That's how you imitate Paul. What did Paul say of Jesus, right? Famous passage, Philippians chapter 2, 7 and 8. Christ, he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Who is Paul going to follow? Right, he goes on and think of Galatians 2.20 and even Philippians 3 where he talks about I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, gave himself for me. You understand that, right? Imitate Paul, follow after him. Do you have freedoms? Yes. Do you have liberties? Yeah. Is there responsibility with it? Absolutely. Enjoy your freedoms. I believe God delights when you enjoy his creation, things he's provided for you. I believe there's a smile because he loves you. We're not here simply so we can enjoy our freedoms. You're here that you would grow in your sanctification, grow to know Christ. You might see others come to know him. So Paul says, hey, when these moments come, when they come and someone asks you, do you realize this or realize that? Our response is simply, well, no, thank you. I don't, I don't want that. And why is that? Why, why are you saying no? 
What is it about you? Why did you say no? Let me tell you. Once I was blind, now I see. Now today, you place your, your hope, your faith, know Christ, know the freedom you have in Christ. Don't allow your, your walk with the Lord to be determined by do's and don'ts, right? I understand the commands of Scripture. We want to follow them. But it's our motive behind it, the heartbeat behind it. I want to glorify the Lord. I want to deny myself, pick up my cross, and follow Him so that He would be pleased. Not that I'm going to try to earn something from Him. What can I earn from Him? Right? What has He not given? What have I received that wasn't first given to me? Everything I have has come from Him. What, can, what, what more possibly could I give, get or from Christ? Right? That's not my motive. I don't serve Him so I could get something from Him. I serve Him and follow Him just so He would be pleased. Right? Like a good uh, follower of Christ or a son and a daughter. Right? We want to be honoring and, and thankful to what He's done. That's my motive. And Jesus says, man, live this life. Be, be a natural person. Go into the homes of non-believers. Go and, and enjoy meals and ribeyes with tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes. Right? It's okay to be around them. You don't have to compromise your convictions. And when the question is raised, say no to it so you can have be a positive testimony to the God who has changed your life. He's changed your life. You're on a different trajectory. And here's why. And guess what? That same grace that saved me, that changed me, I'm that guy who was running to hell, but I'm not going there today. I have complete confidence that when I die, I know exactly where I'm going. Would you like to have that same confidence? Here's how. Christianity is. It's trust in a risen Savior. He overcame this world. He loves you dearly. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's a promise we can hold on to. He's always with his children. I will be with you until the end of the age. I'm not going to walk away. Use your freedom and liberty to glorify Christ. Enjoy them. right? Cherish them. Forgo them for the betterment right, of the non-believer and of the church. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time once again. It's good, Lord, to be with, with your people coming and opening your word, being challenged by it. I pray that you would encourage us today. Uh, Lord, often we, we could come to your word and we just simply could um, be stopped in our tracks with just the amount of maybe failures that we might think upon. And times maybe that... that Lord, we, we, we just blew it. Uh, maybe, we are, we're, um, maybe we think, Lord, this morning that your grace, your goodness, it's, just, it's too good. It's too good for me. Um, clearly, you don't understand everything I've been through. Or we might, we might think it's, it's for someone else and not me. But I, I pray, Lord, that this day, this time, right here and now, uh, that you would, you would, Lord, speak to every heart and to every life here. God, that we would, we would believe upon you, we would trust you, we would know you, we would, we would realize that you know us better than, than we know ourselves. You know all the sin and the shame and the things that, that we'd like to forget and maybe things we've forgotten about. But uh, Lord, let us know that Christ is, is greater than all that. And I thank you, Lord, for redeeming us, that you are a God who still changes lives and uh, you'll never... Uh, walk away from us. He'll never depart from us. He'll continue the good work in us until the day of Christ, whether you come back or call us home. Uh, Lord, we'll quit working on these commands when we're dead. I mean, that's, 
That's where it's at. That's where we're fully uh, enter into glorification. Until then, God, give us a heartbeat and a desire and a passion to glorify you regardless of where we're at, um, Lord, what we're doing. Let us, let us apply that principle. Let us be helpful and edifying. Let us enjoy our liberties. Let us encourage and strengthen the body and, and encourage the, the non-believers to think about their life, to think about eternity. Lord, open those doors of opportunities. Let those questions come from the, the, those who are not saved, that we might have an, just a moment of explaining who Christ is. Let us be aware of that, Lord. Guide us through that. And I just thank you, Lord. I thank you for your faithfulness to us and to your church. And often our hearts are far from you. And I thank you, Lord, that you have a purpose and a plan, even in in the context of brokenness. That even in those moments, Lord, we feel maybe alone, that we know you're always with us. So I pray that understanding of the gospel, that understanding of the calling that you've placed upon each of your children, that we would understand our liberty and our freedoms, Lord, our responsibilities in that context. That we're not here simply for us. We're not here simply to get what we can get out of this life and enjoy the freedoms that, that are coming our way, but to realize, uh, Lord, they're, they're to be used to the building up, the helpful, uh, being helpful to others, uh, to proclaiming Christ. We're always uh, working evangelism. So we pray for that. And I pray, Lord, this morning for each of us, if there's just maybe some failures or things that are challenging us, I pray you would bring deliverance, uh, bring forgiveness as we, Lord, turn them over to you and cast all our cares upon you. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for this day. We pray your blessing, uh, Lord, on us, and uh, you continue to keep us in an attitude of, of, of worship to you this day, your day. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.